Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. We have almost the exact same dynamic at work this weekend in the first reading and the gospel. First reading, you have Moses who before this was realizing he couldn't meet all the needs of the people of God, of the people of Israel. So they decided let's get 70 elders and put a list together and they will help in Moses' tending to the flock. So they have a list of 70. On the day when these 70 were going to be deputized, 68 showed up, two did not. 68 came to the ritual. 68 came to the way they wanted this to go. Two did not. But all 70 got the same spirit. Someone got upset and said, wait a minute, they didn't do it our way. They shouldn't get the goodies. Moses said, are you jealous? I'm happy that the Spirit's going to who it was supposed to go to. Then in the Gospel, John, the beloved disciple, comes to Jesus and says to him, there's someone who's casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him. And Jesus says, well, if he's doing it in my name, why would you try to prevent him? He's doing it in my name. He's casting out demons. That's a good thing. Why is these two texts put together like this, and why is it important for us? Well, in the scriptural interpretation world, there's something called proof texting. It sounds a little boring, but stick with me. It's just the official term that we use when people take a section of the Bible and use it for any, any way they want. They say, oh, I can justify this decision, this belief, because here's proof. Look at this one text. And these two texts are used an awful lot to say, see, you don't actually have to be a part of the church's rituals and the church's ways of doing things. God can do anything he wants. And it's true. God does shed his grace on people the way he wants because he's God. And so a lot of people say, see, all that ritual, all that mass, all those liturgies, I don't like that. And see, look, these guys got the spirit. These guys are doing all sorts of neat things. And they're not following the quote-unquote church. So they should be fine. I can do this now too. But if you zoom out a little bit, you start to realize the same God that is in these two passages is the same God that defines the size temple. What kind of tabernacle? what the temple should be built out of, what day he wants to be worshipped on, which animals he considers clean, which animals he considers unclean, what behaviors make you pleasing in his eyes, what behaviors make him upset. Our God has laid down incredible prescriptions on how to worship, when to worship, where to worship, how to act, how not to act, what to eat, what not to eat. The notion that our God, ah, God doesn't care about all that stuff is just not a biblical God. So we need to know this to start off right away is to say that in these two scripture passages, what isn't being said is that you can do whatever you want as long as you want to be with God. 
That's not what these passages are saying. And if we look closer, we'll realize the two men in the first reading, they were on the list. They were a part of the group. They just were doing it differently, but they were a part of the group. And in this gospel, this man casting out demons in Jesus' name, he belongs to Christ. He's already submitted to Jesus so Jesus can have the power. He's not just anyone doing whatever he wants. No, he's already a believer. I say all this because the real message of this weekend is for us who belong to Christ, that walking with him can look different for a lot of people. See, we tend to think that the church is beige. That she doesn't really stand for much. You can do it any way you want. It's just kind of, as long as you're a good person. Which Jesus never said. God in the Old Testament never said, as long as you're a good person. It's this kind of beige Catholicism. But in response to that, too often members of the church will become rigidly black and white. This is the only way you can be Catholic. You have to do it this way or else. And that's just not the fullness and beauty of the church either. The church is not beige, nor is she black and white. The church is technicolored. We've got blues and greens and yellows and oranges And yes, at times there's a black and a white. We do have to draw the line on occasion. But she's so much more beautiful and rich and complex and mysterious. To be Catholic is to be a part of this rich, technicolored way of living. You can just look at the beauty of our own stained glass windows and all the shapes and sizes and colors that go to manifest the immensity of Jesus' resurrection. So when I was trying to think of an image that we could all understand... This is what came to mind. Raise your hand if you know of Chipotle. You know of Chipotle? Okay, good. Some people, you know, you just, I, I presume, but okay. I'm sure you know this, but if you didn't, here's a little fact for you. There is 655,360 ways to order a Chipotle burrito. 655,360 ways to get a burrito. That doesn't count salads. That doesn't count quesadillas. So to say you're going to eat at Chipotle, all right, means something specific. But once you enter into Chipotle, there are 655,360 different ways to participate in the Chipotle experience. The only thing you can't do is go to Pizza Hut and say you ate at Chipotle. There's something definitive. There's a black and whiteness about Chipotle. Either you're at Chipotle or you're not. But participating at Chipotle isn't a cookie-cutter experience. There's all sorts of richnesses and dynamics of going to Chipotle. Similarly, there's certain things we need to believe and practice in order to call ourselves Catholic. You cannot say that you don't believe in the Trinity. You cannot say Jesus was just a good teacher, he wasn't God. You cannot say the Eucharist and sacraments don't matter. You can't have that belief and say you're still Catholic. But once you accept these things, or at least once you're open to learning about them to accept them, then there's even more than 655,000 ways. How do we know that? The saints. Playing the game of Catholicism 
can look so different for so many people. In our own country, we had Servant of God Dorothy Day. This woman was a believer, then an atheist, had an abortion, had a kid out of wedlock, then became a great champion of the poor and underprivileged, wrote a paper, became incredibly devout, served the poor in New York City, and is now a servant of God on her way to beatified and canonized. It's an amazing woman, serving the poor with everything she had and living a life of prayer. We also have on our tradition like a St. Thomas Aquinas. He wasn't known for serving the poor. He was known for academia, writing some of the most brilliant teachings, making the distinctions and nuances we needed to articulate the mysteries of the faith well, to know what we mean when we say we believe in a trinity. He helps us clear all the intellectual confusion out of the way so that we can believe well. Or you have the married couples, right? The parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. They were known to be prayerful, joyful, and Pope John Paul II said they played games with their kids. He wanted to point that out to say, look how wonderfully warm of a home. Several of their daughters became nuns, and they themselves were known for their love and prayer life. We have wealthy saints, poor saints, we have saints who were so pro-life, moms who gave their lives so that their child could live. We have people who did nothing but open a door, like Solanus Casey in Detroit. He opened doors for people and prayed for them. The way we end up enfleshing our Catholicism can look so different for each one of us. Personality, gifts of the Holy Spirit, states in life. And in a culture that gets more and more beige, because nothing matters in our culture seemingly, and therefore some people react by becoming more and more rigidly black and white, the saints are like a medicine of sanity. That there's many ways to follow Jesus and belong to the Catholic Church. The church at times reminds us of a priority, right? There's certain things that matter more. The Eucharist is the most important thing we do because that is where the love of God touches our lives to give us the energy to serve others. But there's all sorts of options. Some receive on their hand, some on their tongue. Some go to confession behind a screen, some face to face. Some people wear cassocks, some people wear albs. I know some people who live in this area and drive to the inner city to go to a more ornate church with Latin music. I know some people who drive far to come here because they love Nancy, Steph, and the joyful community. Right? Where we go, there are preferences, there are possibilities of doing things a little differently. But you can't go to Pizza Hut and say you're at Chipotle. But when you're at Chipotle, it doesn't mean you have to order a rigidly exact thing like the person in front of you. And so this week, let me give you a little challenge, something to put this into action. Whatever way that you normally practice your faith, do something in the opposite direction. So if you're someone who loves church teachings and you listen to Catholic podcasts and you are very big into reading Catholic books, maybe this week you take some clothes and drop them off at the Westside Catholic Center. Or maybe since it's National Migrant Week and Refugee Week, maybe you go on the bishop's website and read a little bit about the social teaching about immigration and, and the way the Catholic Church views these things. 
If you're someone who uh, normally is involved in social justice service, maybe this week you come to the church with the Blessed Sacrament and spend a deep hour in prayer or even just 20 minutes. Or you come on Wednesday as the Eucharist is exposed to do Eucharistic adoration. Maybe you're someone who only prays with Scripture. This week, go into one of the metro parks and discover what's it like to pray with creation. What is God saying through his creation? Whatever you normally do, may I suggest you go in the opposite direction this week. Just to realize that while people next to you might not walk with Jesus the exact same way you do, it doesn't mean they're not eating at Chipotle with you. It just may look a little different. It's the church's job as a good mom to remind us when we end up going to Pizza Hut. But it's also the church's job as a good mom to remind us each one of you is unique and God will walk with you in your uniqueness. And thanks be to God for that.